Y'all can go ahead and take a seat. It is good to gather with you this afternoon. Uh, I was going to use the same joke Russ used at the beginning. Uh, I, my name is Jeremiah Morris. I cannot now since he used it. Thank you, Russ. Uh, my name is Tyler Ballou. Uh I get to serve here as the director of equipping at Seven Mile Road and just counted a joy and honor to be able to worship with you this Christmas and celebrate the coming of our King and anticipate his return. So as we, uh, as Sharon read for us in Luke chapter 2, and as I was thinking about Luke chapter 2 and the story of Christmas, I came to this overall conclusion, I love a good story. Don't you? Like, don't you love just a good story? I mean, so much of what we do as human beings is all about storytelling. I think that's one of the reasons why Marvel is taking over the content world, movies, shows, comics, books. It's because they tell good stories. And why early on in a young age in the playground, you could see a couple of kids huddle up because they love telling stories to one another about this friend or that friend or that teacher or this person. We love storytelling. And I think one of the reasons why we love storytelling is because we all have a story, each and every one of us. You have a story. All of your life forms to some narrative, both with a climactic action, resolution, plot, circumstance, narrative, setting, different types of things. We all have a story, each one of us. And so what makes the Christmas story so special is because we get to hear about a story that seems so upside down that we can't help but lean in. You know, like when you actually stop and pay attention to the Christmas story, to Luke 2, what was just read for us, and we pay attention to it, we cannot stop. If we're really listening, if our hearts are really open to it, and just lean in a bit because it's so peculiar. My favorite stories right now with my boys have to do with a pigeon not driving a bus or needing to take a bath. (laughs) You might have your own stories that you like, that you hope to attain to. My hope for us as we pay attention to the Christmas story today, is that our hearts would leave here with more worship. Like our hearts would expand with hopeful worship because we have properly aligned the story of Christmas, the coming of the King of Kings, that it would be so rightly aligned with our story that our hearts are expanded to a place of hopeful worship. To get there, we have to understand that what's happening in Luke 2 is really a pretty incredible thing. God's redemptive story cannot be stopped. God's redemptive story cannot be stopped, and it cannot be stopped by your story. See, the point of me saying that all of us have a story and bringing attention to your story in particular is because I think some of us approach the Christmas season in a couple different camps. Me, I love gifts, and I love family traditions, good. You should love those things. I can't wait. I anticipate this time of year so much, but it's because I like to hit pause on my story for a moment. You know what I mean? Like sometimes my story feels so paralyzing that I cannot help but hit pause for just a moment and get lost in the idea of ripping open something on Christmas underneath a tree or hopeful that I can just forget some pain and some different realities. The other camp is that we don't even think about God's redemptive story. 
on Christmas. We don't even think about it. Maybe because we're still wrestling with it or just because we've become apathetic to it. So we put a little pin in it and we say, you know what? After in the, in the new year, I will make a resolution to read my Bible all year long. We just put a pin in God's overall redemptive story and we say, this Christmas, I'm just going to focus on whatever's right in front of us. The good news of Luke 2 and the Christmas story for you and for me is that God's redemptive story cannot be stopped and it cannot be stopped by your story. It cannot be stopped with the pain of it. It can't be stopped by the joy of it. It cannot be stopped by any aspect of your story because his redemptive story will move forward no matter what. And we see this happening in Luke 2. Kiddos, as you hear me say the word angel, I need your help to make this story come alive. I need you to say wow whenever you hear me say angel. Can you guys practice this real quick? Okay, I'm going to say angel and then you say wow. Your best wow. Ready? Angel. There we go. Okay, so when we come to it in Luke 2, where I say the word angel, I need you to say, wow, it helps make the story come alive for us. So for us to be able to see how this is true, that God's redemptive story cannot be stopped by our story, how do we know that this is true? Well, we have to look at the story of the birth of Jesus. Luke 2, as we were reading through, what do we see? We see Mary and Joseph and we, it's a familiar refrain. If you've been around church for a while or if you've gone to a nativity scene or you see, those, you see Mary and Joseph and wise men and shepherds and animals, but sometimes I think we forget the background of what's going on in this couple's life, the story that is their life in this moment. Mary, most scholars think, is around 14 to 15 years old at this time. She's pregnant. She's betrothed to Joseph, a God-fearing Jewish carpenter from a town of Nazareth. This is not a travel destination town. Nazareth is a place that you don't want to go to. It's a place you don't want to be seen at night. It's not the best place in the world. And what's happening in this moment, Mary is at a place and stage of her pregnancy, and they're traveling forcefully, having to leave their home in Nazareth and go to where Joseph is from, where his family is from, which is Bethlehem. They are, in essence, refugees. They're away, they are concerned, and all of a sudden, Mary, parents, dads, mom goes into labor, (laughs) away from home. And we read a little bit further in, and we see that they came to an inn, and there was no room for them at this inn. Pause for a second. When we hear or read this word inn, what comes to your mind? What's in your imagination? It's not the Holiday Inn. It's not the Motel 6 off of 90 and 610 Loop down south towards the Med Center. It's not a Super 8 that you're driving by as you're crossing the plains in the Midwest. It's not even something as nice as a Houstonian. The inn here that they're talking about is, it's not even like, one of my favorite stories in the whole world is Lord of the Rings. I love Lord of the Rings and that just type of narrative. And there's always like some kind of pub or tavern and there's like rooms upstairs and it feels cozy and warm. This is not that. This is not even that. The inn, the guest room that Luke is talking about here is it's uh, someone's home and they don't have room in that house. And so it's the very bottom floor where all the stable animals are. For those of you who have pets and don't let them sleep in your room or your bed, but say you have something like a piece of the garage or laundry room set aside for your pets where the food and where the water is and it's messy and kind of stinky and hairy, This is not even that. It's even still worse than that because this is where cows and sheep and chickens, this is where they go. More than likely, incredibly dirty, 
probably not a window or very small window. This is where Joseph and Mary come as Mary begins to birth out her child. God's redemptive story cannot be stopped by this. Because as we see Jesus, what happens? He's born and he's laid even in a manger. A manger is not this cozy, nice place. It's a feeding trough. You can almost imagine. I mean, they don't have, you know, uh, uh, dish soap, Dawn. You know, they don't have sponge. They don't have those types of things to clean this out. It's dried food, leftover hay that's there. This is where the king of kings is laid to, for his first night's sleep. Yet God's redemptive story cannot be stopped. And if it can't be stopped, if this is the king of kings, the line of David is, is showing up here. If it can't be stopped by this, then why do we think that our story can stop it? But yet we do. So God's redemptive story, we see that it cannot be stopped by our story, and we see that because we just look at the story surrounding Jesus' birth. But not only that, Luke gives us another story. He moves over to the shepherds in the field, as we read. The shepherds in the field, sometimes when I think of shepherds, I think of like really like tender, caring, uh, really nice, maybe softer people. But shepherds, historically, are weathered, strong, tough individuals. They don't sleep inside. They sleep outside with the sheep because the sheep don't sleep inside. So they sleep outside with the sheep. They're going wherever their herd is going. And in Luke 2, what we see at night, an angel. Ah, I got you guys. Are, oh, good job. I was, that, was, that was a test for me to see if you were paying attention. An angel of the Lord came to, yeah, that's right, uh, came and, and what happened? The glory of the Lord shone around them as they're in this field and essentially are saying, you shepherds, tough, strong, weathered, People who are considered lower than, less than. Shepherds would be known as peasants at this time. I bring you good news. Have you ever stopped in the Christmas story to ask, why did the angel of the Lord show up to them? Why did they not show up to Herod or to Caesar Augustus or to anyone else? Why did they show, why did the angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord show up? <laughs> you guys are catching, that's good. Keep it coming, that's good. Why did that happen? Why did God show up to bring good news of great joy to the shepherds? You see, because I think so often for me, I get lost in a shepherd mentality. Like the real shepherd mentality, like peasant, not really worthy, not really capable of experiencing the redemptive story of God, the good news that the king of kings is actually here. I for so often don't think that. And or others that I know, they are so thinking that they can handle what they can handle, that they're capable, that they're strong, you have a good job, you're well off. I live in the loop and I can get my work done and so I don't need this good news. But what God's redemptive story is being shown here in this moment is it can't be stopped by these things. It can't be stopped and, it's, and we see as it's going to a, a people that you would never expect to hear, that the king of kings is coming. And what's incredible about this, what's incredible about the king of kings coming, as we were reading in Luke, it said, by this sign, you will know that the Christ, the Messiah, the king of kings has come. And what did it say? It said, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. If I were the shepherds and an angel, an angel were telling me, <laughs> were telling me, that I will find the king of kings. 
Now remember, 2 Samuel, Isaiah 9, the king of kings is meant to sit on a throne established forever to bring goodness and righteousness and justice to all the world. I would not expect to see a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Neither do the shepherds. But what do they do next? They recognize God's redemptive story can't be stopped by my story, can't be stopped by anything else. So they went with haste because the angel told them to go. They went with haste and they went and they found baby Jesus. And here's where we, here's where we go next. What we see, we see this story of Joseph and Mary. We see this story of the shepherds and then we see them all converge together as they all kind of crash in at the same time. The shepherds walking in can't imagine Mary exhausted, Joseph stressed out of his mind, a baby sleeping, probably crying, hungry. And they come in and they begin telling everyone, this is what happened. God's glory literally shot down on us in the field and told us to come here because the king of kings was born. And everyone, what happened? What, what did they say? They began to wonder. They began to worship Mary, and I love this part in Luke 2, but Mary. As everyone's wondering and in awe, you can imagine this like chaos around. And then it gives this word but, and in scripture, if you see the word but, it's contrasting. It's meant to be different. Instead, you, it moves from the chaos and the frenetic pace of everything that's going on, and it gets to Mary, and it says, Mary treasured these things in her heart, pondering them. What does this mean? See, God's redemptive story cannot be stopped by our story and how you know that your story is being transformed by God's redemptive story is you start taking a posture more like Mary. Your heart begins to take a posture more like Mary. You cannot help but ponder and treasure that the King of Kings came, that he actually came. I'll end with this. One of the most favorite realities for me of storytelling is usually this climax, which is where we're at in the story of Luke 2. It's like this climactic end. It's like, what are, what's about to happen next? Most people, I won't say all people, most people don't like it if a story ends at the climax. It's like, I need some kind of resolution. What happens next? And if we were to stop here at Luke 2, we would have no resolution. And it would just be a nice platitude that I'm giving you on Christmas Eve that God's redemptive story can't be stopped by your story. It'd be like a, oh, pat on the back. Okay, I can kind of feel a little better as I wake up tomorrow if the story ended at this climactic part, but it doesn't end here. Do you know how it resolves? This baby grows up. He goes on to do amazing things. He heals. He preaches. He casts out demons. He does all sorts of amazing miracles. He actually begins to function as we would imagine in the Old Testament, like the king of kings. We're like, wow, this guy is it. And then uncanny, unseeming reality happens. He's betrayed. He's arrested. And he's crucified. He dies on a cross a place reserved for criminals and sinners, a place given for us. See, because the ways in which we think our story stops God's redemptive story is our own heart running away from God. But Jesus, being king of kings, he knew that we never could get our way back to him unless he were to condescend down into a manger at this fateful night dried food. And Jesus, what did he do? He willingly goes to a cross for you and for me. He dies. 
And it feels like that's it. That feels like that's the resolution. But the story still doesn't end there. On the third day, he rose again, conquering sin, Satan, shame, and death, and conquering the voices in our story that would tell us that God's redemptive story is stopped by us. See, this is the good news of the Christmas story. That a baby was born for you and for me. That our stories will not stop God's story in our life. And we have an opportunity Maybe for the first time, you have an opportunity to trust by grace in faith this Jesus. Say, your story, I don't fully get it, but there's something, I feel my heart pulling and I think, I think this is where it's at. I think there's some truth here. Or maybe for some of us, we put a pin in it for some of our Christmas feeling because our story just, we can't get quite past it. I would encourage us, let's take the pin out this Christmas and have a heart full of hopeful worship all over again as if it was the first time we trusted in this Jesus together. Because God's redemptive story cannot be stopped by our story. So as we say Merry Christmas to our kids, to our families, to our friends, may this be the hopeful worship and joy that comes out of our hearts tonight and tomorrow. Amen? Let's pray together.